Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center. I am Pastor Marquise Franklin, and I am excited that you would take the time to listen to our latest sermons and what God is doing in this ministry. New Creation Christian Center is in Seattle, led by Pastor Harold and Annis Franklin. And our statement is, come as you are and be transformed by the word of God, as stated in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to be encouraged by the word of God that is going to be shared today. Check it out and share it with somebody that may need it. Now, let's get into this week's message. We'll take communion later after we uh, finish the message, but we want to pick up where we left off a couple of weeks ago on what we believe, and not we as this building, but we as the church as a whole. Amen? So let's pray, and we will get to some of the, other, the points that I have. Now, I tried to put the whole of the points on the uh, overhead PowerPoint so that we could follow it a little easier because it's some of it are, are a little wordy but so I wanted to put a make a handout but my computer wouldn't cooperate so I brought it and put it overhead so bear with us if it's wordy amen so let's pray father we come to you in the name of Jesus Lord we want to serve you as you created us to serve you and so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, transform our spirits, our minds, and even our bodies, so that even our flesh resists evil. And, Lord God, I pray that you would speak through me as you get, I speak the things you have given me. And, Lord God, give us ears to hear, a heart to understand, and a will to obey the things that you're giving us this morning through this afternoon in Jesus mighty name and everyone said amen so we started off last time and I'm gonna take this off we started off talking about how many times we don't we don't really understand the the era of when the church was born now remember, the day of Pentecost, how many people were, on the day, were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? Anybody know? Nope, not 500. 120 people. <clears throat> there were 500 that saw Jesus after he was resurrected, according to 1 Corinthians. But there were only 120 that were in the upper room. Now that makes you think what happened to those other 360 folk, huh? Or 380. But so the church was born out of just a small number of people. Amen? And it was born into the only light that was in the world were the, the Jewish believers prior to Jesus coming. And their light had been dimmed because of tradition. Are you with me so far? So when the Holy Spirit fell on the 120, he birthed the church. And from there, the church had to develop its belief system so that it could go out and preach the gospel. Now, the gospel is really a simple thing. It is Jesus is the son of the living God. He's the only begotten son. And I'm going to read something, some of these creeds that they developed later on. 
He died. Well, first let me go back before he died. He lived a sinless life. That's very important. See, everybody wants to say Jesus was a prophet. But if you take away the sinlessness of Jesus, he's nothing more than you and I. Amen? Everybody, does that shock you? If he doesn't live a sinless life, he's not the only begotten son of God. He has no power to die for our sin because he too is sinful. But the Bible made him born of the spirit so that he did not have the seed of a man. And therefore, when he's born, he's no longer just a man. He is the God man. And when he died, he died for the sins of the world because he was not born to die as we are. He was appointed to die, but he was not born to die because of his own sin. Are you guys with me? Are you seeing this? Because these are, these are the important truths. And then once you get Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected three days later, rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven after his resurrection 40 days later. And so the, that was the gospel. And then also part of the gospel was as the disciples went out to preach the gospel, they were supposed to demonstrate the gospel. They were supposed to lay hands on the sick. They were supposed to cast out devils. They were supposed to raise the dead. There was a preaching element and a experiential element or a demonstration element. But in that, all that, once the converts started coming, they had to come up with the things in which the church, the newfound church, believed. And so that's what we're talking about today. So we talked about the Apostles' Creed last week. And remember the other thing we mentioned here, that most believers in that time and even sometimes now, could not read or write. I mean, that, that was just the way it was. Only the, the, the rulers read. Only the rulers went to school. If you remember the story of Moses, he, ha he was being trained, according to Hebrews, trained in the knowledge of the pharaohs. Right? Everybody know that? And he was adopted by who? Pharaoh's daughter. So he wasn't, if he wasn't a, in the, the royal household, he wouldn't have went to school. And that's typically how education was until later on in the early 10th or 11th century. Then churches started to develop what they called seminaries. And then that trickled down to schools for the regular people. But for the regular people, schooling didn't really start until the 17 or 1800s. So they developed what was called creeds for the people to pronounce or repeat or memorize so they could know what the church believed. And so we talked about the Apostles' Creed which said, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. 
On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of, of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Now that's the Apostles' Creed, and again, this was given so that the the regular average member would know what it was that the church believed. Amen? And so later on, we have what's called the Nicene Creed, which came about 325. Now, the bad thing about the Nicene uh, era or the Nicene conference, they don't call it that, but that's all I, I can't remember the actual word was. They developed this creed, which was good, but they did a whole bunch of other things that weren't so good. And one of the things they did during the Nicene Creed is they pronounced that anybody who was circumcised could not be a part of the church. And guess who that was aimed at? Huh? The Jews. Now, isn't that amazing? Who's, is Jesus, what, if, if Jesus, if we look at Jesus' natural side, what was Jesus? He was what? So I'm going to say it out loud like you mean it. He was Jewish. What was Paul? What was Peter? What was John? What were all the disciples? So you mean to tell me that 400 years after all the disciples are dead, they kicked them out of the church? You see how foolish the flesh can get when you try to rule like men and not by the Spirit. Now they came up with a creed that's similar to the, uh, the Apostles' Creed. And I'm not going to read their, that creed, but it's the, the difference is they added the part about Jesus being God in addition to being the Savior. And that was the, the big addition. Now, it wasn't that Jesus, they discovered 400 years later that Jesus was God. Remember, Jesus said in John chapter 8, and let's go there real quickly, because it's important that we know that Jesus pronounced his deity while he was on earth. Amen? Amen. Go to John 8, and I believe it's 8.58. And let's, let's start at 8.54. Uh, Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you, but I do not, I, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, you are not 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, everybody say it, I am. Now, what name is that? That is the name that God gave Moses when he asked, what name shall I tell the children of Israel that he sent me? And he said, tell them that I am sent you. 
And Jesus uses the same word, which is the name Jehovah or Yahweh, for those because the, the Jews don't have a J. That's why Jesus' name is Yeshua, not Joshua. But anyway, so Jesus right here proclaims that he is God. And if you look at the next verse, they took up stones to throw at him. And that's because they considered that what he just said was blasphemy because he proclaimed himself as God. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. is God. Jesus. You cannot come to him as the Savior without that revelation. And that's what causes many religious people to stumble at Jesus because he is God. They say, well, there's only one God. The Bible said, Jesus said himself, there's only one God. But he proclaims himself to be God. Turn your phones down for those that got them up. So it's so important to understand that God, Jesus is God. And this was a big thing for the church to proclaim. And so we talked about a few points, core beliefs of Christianity. The one is that God uh, is complete, perfect, and a creator of all things, worthy of all uh, adoration and praise, all-knowing, sovereign, and totally good in his plan to, to restore all things to himself. And we can look at a couple of scriptures real quickly. And, of course, Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, we know that the world has come up with an alternate explanation for the things that we see. Amen? What's it called? Evolution. evolution. Right? Right? Everybody knows about evolution, right? Of course you do. If you go to school, you got to know about it. Because they won't preach, they won't tell creation. You guys remember the, uh, what's called the Scopes Monkey Trial? I don't know if you guys remember that. You're not old enough. Neither am I. This was uh, back in the, I think it was either the 20s or the 30s. But this was the first time a science professor, biology teacher, introduced evolution into public schools, and he was fired for it. And he had to go to court because the, the state sought to ban the teaching of evolution as contrary to scripture. Fast forward to 2020, and if you pre talk about creation, you will be banned. <laughs> because only thing now that's preached in public schools is evolution. Amen? So th the thing has been flipped. But the Bible is, is clear. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you go to John 1, 1, verses 1 through 3, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and with, without him nothing was made that has been made. And this is the NIV version, but I think the New King James is being posted so God is the creator of the world. Amen? 
No matter what people say, you cannot get two monkeys and create a man. You just can't do it. <laughs> and you can't take a man and procreate with an animal and get a species that will continue. You can't even crossbreed lions and tigers and get a following breed. The male cannot reproduce when you crossbreed those kinds. And those are just animals that are similar uh, DNAs. So evolution is a farce. It's a lie. But it's all designed to keep us from looking at the God that created us. Because if you look at the God who created us, what does that make us be accountable to him? Amen? See, humans don't want to be accountable to anybody. They want to be able to determine in their own hearts what is right and what is wrong. When God has set into place what is right and what is wrong. And no matter how humans try to deny that fact, the fact is what God set in order cannot be altered. Amen? Amen. So God is the creator. The, the second point we made was the scriptures. The scripture is, is the Bible and is the word of God. Now, the Bible is what we call the speaking agent for God. But remember, God still speaks for himself. Everybody say, God still speaks for himself. Now, he speaks in the context of Scripture because that is his revealed word. What does that mean? God does not come down and tell you something that's contrary to what he's already told others. God is, the Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie. Amen? Nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? So God doesn't change anything, but God is capable of speaking for himself. But he has given us his word to speak to us or get, allow us to be instructed by the revelation that he has given us. Amen? Now, the Bible says a lot of things about itself, but... Let's just go to 2 Timothy. And these, I'm going over this because I didn't really give these passages the last time. So 2 Timothy 2, 3, 16 and 17. And it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So here the Bible tells us that the Bible is given for our instruction so that we can know what to do with our new found created life. Amen? See, the scripture is our manual of instruction. You know, when you buy a product, right? How many bought something before? How many ever bought a car? And in the car they send you a manual. Now, most of the time, the manual is about this thick, right? So most of us don't read the manual. Huh? How many have ever read their manual in their car? Now, I, go, I make reference to it when I need to find out how, what size tires to get, what kind of oil to buy, 
how much air to put in the tire, all those kinds of things. But I've never read it from cover to cover because some of the stuff is just obvious. Like you take the key that you were provided, you stick it in the ignition, and then you turn it to the on slide. I don't need anybody to tell me that, okay? But that's what the manual is designed to tell you so that you can know how to operate the vehicle that you just purchased. Well, the Bible is the manual for life. And it tells us how to stay out of trouble and to stay in the will of God. That's what the Bible is designed to do. Keep us in the will and in the plan of God so that our life will be prosperous as he proclaimed it should be. Amen? So as, as long as we're obedient to the word that we have been given, then the scripture t directs our path. But it also tells us what happens when we choose not to obey. He tells us the, the obedience part, and he also tells us the disobedient part. But for those of us that are born again, we should concentrate on the obedience part. And we will be, do and be according to what God's plan is for us. Amen? So the scripture is designed to direct us, guide us, lead us. It includes the 66 books, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. The old is interpreted by the new. If you don't, I think either one-third of the New Testament is quotations from the old. So that bridges the gap between the two. And without the old, we could not have the new. Amen? And so that's the other thing. The third thing we talked about was creation. God created us male and female in his own image to glorify him. Uh, men and women are created equally in the image of God. It's not man's created in God's image and then women are created in the image of men. That's not the way it says. The Bible says God created them male and female. Me fe created he them female and male. Created he them. So they're both created in his image. They're equal in his sight. That doesn't mean we do the same things. Now they're trying to say equality means that we're the same. Uh, we do we're we're exactly the same. There, there's a there's a there's a teaching now that men and there's no difference between men and women. Only fools would say something like that. Amen. Because all you have to do is look. And you could tell there are big differences between male and female. Am I right? There are different functions in the male and the female body. Men, no matter how much they want to, cannot have children. All the women should have said amen. Well, maybe not because they don't. <laughs> Some say I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> but only women can have children. So it doesn't matter if you put a skirt on. It doesn't matter if you put breasts on your chest. You are not a woman. You're just confused. And nor can a woman create seed to create a child. The male has to produce the seed. The woman has to carry the seed. And the child is born. Without that, I know this has seemed like a simple thing, but without that order society cannot exist. 
This world would end if we tried to mess with that portion of God's creation. And that's what's going on now. So he created us male and female. And so we, we got the, the, the point we want to get to today, the new point, is the fall. Everybody say the fall. We believe that all people have fallen short of the glory of God. Adam and Eve, deceived by the serpent, distorted God's creation by sinning against God and his word. As a result, all human beings experience the pain and suffering that their sin caused and are under the wrath of God's judgment. The greatest need of all people is that to be reconciled to God. For only, our only hope as humans is to be restored back into the perfect relationship with him through the loving sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. And we all know the story of the fall. And, of course, we know that the scripture says in Romans, there's a few passages in Romans, so let's go to that. Romans chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 3 says this, and we all, most of us that have, Memorize the Romans road says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's another passage that says, No, there is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, that's that's up at just above Romans 3:10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. You can't even know God without his revelation. You don't even want to know God because you know that you've been doing things you had no business doing. And so we hide from God because we know that we have committed sin. That's why when we, before we were sinners, I mean before, no, before we were saints, before we accepted Christ, we had the idea that so-and-so. How many said that before they accepted Christ? I know I did. And, 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 and always fell back on, I'm not perfect, but I haven't killed anybody. Because we know that if you kill somebody, something's really wrong with you. But how many know the Bible says that you don't have to wait until you kill somebody? He says, a liar is guilty of breaking the whole law. So you don't have to kill. All you have to do is lie. All you have to do is steal. All you have to be, do is disobey your parents. And all of us have done that. Amen? So we're all in sin, but God didn't leave us in sin. Amen? He sent... First, the system, and this is why, this is where the old and the new mirror are connect to each other. He created a system of sacrifice so that he could continue to have a relationship with the human race. That's what the old covenant is all about. But it wasn't about sacrificing. What happened was God gave the system of sacrifice. You might say, well, pastor, how do you know that? Because Abel and Cain understood that. And who are they? Cain and Abel were the first two sons of Adam and Eve. Amen? So these are the first two people 
and they understood that God wanted a physical animal sacrifice and the blood shed for the atonement of their sin. And so he carried that system all the way through the old covenant and what happened was it was perverted by other religions. Now, notice, if you go to other religions, especially old ancient religions, there is always an element of sacrifice. Am I right? There's always something they're sacrificing because they're carrying the old covenant concept that God introduced in the Bible. But what happens is they end up sacrificing it to the sun and the moon and the, and I think one passage of scripture, I think it was in uh, one of the prophets that I'm reading, they sacrificed it even to their nets, their fishing nets, because they looked at their fishing net as the source of their uh, material gain. So they sacrifice to a net. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the concept is carrying over, but the object is lost. And so God then sent his son to die, so the object of the sacrifice would never be lost. But now it comes to, do you believe his sacrifice and atonement for your sin? And therein lies the challenge now. We have to now get the people out of their old tradition of religion and get their eyes upon Jesus. And so this is what the fall created. But the second, the next point is the plan of redemption. Everybody say redemption. He didn't leave us there. And that's why the Old Testament was created. God did not want to be completely without relationship with the human race. But he could not approach them in their sinful condition. So he had to create a system. And this is the mercy and the grace of God at work. He created a system that would carry them through until his son arrived on the earth. Amen? Now he promised his son would come after the fall of Adam and Eve. He told them that he would bruise Satan's head, crush his head as he bruises his heel. So he gave the woman, the seed of the woman he identifies Jesus as, in which we know Jesus was born of a virgin. So he prophesied that from the beginning, but he had to get the avenue to get him in the earth. And it took him 4,000 years to get Jesus in the earth. Amen? So the plan was always to redeem man. Say, God always planned to redeem humans. <laughs> he did not want us without direction. So redemption is this. We believe that in God's great love and mercy, he sent his only son to bear the weight and penalty of sin through the death of on the cross. Jesus lived the sinless life we could not live. Amen? Being completely obedient to the Father, he died the death that we deserved. Jesus took all our sins, nailing them to the cross with himself as our substitute, bearing the weight and wrath of God. 
Jesus' obedience satisfied our penalty of sin and the wrath of God. Jesus victoriously rose from the dead on the third day, defeating death, sin, Satan. And Jesus ascended into heaven and claimed his rightful throne, seated at the right hand of the Father. He is now graciously and sovereignly reigning over us and working for us on our behalf. We believe that, G that salvation is found in, by faith alone, great, through fa grace alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. For there is no other name given un under heaven by which we must be saved. That is the redemption plan. You might say, well, Pastor, why are you going through these points? Because the church has forgotten some of this. You guys know what pluralism is? Anybody know what the phrase or the word pluralism means? Plur yes, it's two more, it's more than two. Pluralism is the acceptance of other beliefs and other religions. Now, there's one thing to ex allow people to worship whatever God they want. That's God's way. If you choose not to serve him, you can serve whomever you want. But they're not equal. Everybody say, they're not equal. Nor are they the same road to get to the God of heaven. Everybody, a lot of people say when there's multiple religions, all roads lead to God. How many have heard that? How many have heard that saying before? All roads lead to God. All religions lead to God. Well, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because Buddhism doesn't even worship God. Did you know that? Buddhism is called a godless religion. It is designed to, for you to des deny your flesh, deny yourself, and get reborn into a greater karma so that after many, many births and reborns and re re uh, reincarnations, you reach what they refer to as nirvana. That does not sound like Jesus dying for your sin, does it? Doesn't sound like Jesus rec or anybody reconciling you to God. So all religions are not the same. Islam, they say Jesus was a prophet, but he was not the son of God. They not only say that, they even say Isaac wasn't the chosen child, but Ishmael was. But yet and still they say the Bible, the people of the book have to be honored because the Bible is God's word. Well, how can you have it both ways? Because the Bible says Isaac was the chosen child. And if Isaac wasn't the chosen child, how do we get the children of Israel who Islam says you have to honor when they say they don't exist because Ishmael is the chosen child? You see the confusion there. All roads do not lead to God. Are you with me? And I know I just stepped into a controversial pool, and I really don't care. Because the truth is what sets us free. Amen? Amen? And the reason why most people won't talk to people of other religions because they don't even know what they believe for the most part. And let me say this, sometimes the people who believe what they say they believe don't know what they believe. 
And unfortunately, some church folk don't know what they believe, which is why I'm going through these things. We have to know and be convinced. The Bible says we have to be fully persuaded about what we believe. We have to be willing to do like the disciples and lay down our lives for what we believe. Amen? So let me look at a, a couple of scriptures uh, that talk about God's salvation. So first Colossians 1, 21 says this, Once you were alienated from God. What does that mean, alienated? You, you were out of relationship. Uh, we, are, we have alienated children sometimes, right? Our children have alienated themselves. They're away from us. We don't have a relationship. They won't call us. They won't come over. They don't want to talk to us. That's alienated. That's how we were. And this is from God. And we're enemies. Everybody say enemies in your minds because of e your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present your ho you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. So we were alienated. We were enemies. But God reconciled us or brought us back to the Father. Amen? No religion preaches that. Are you hearing me? No other religion preaches reconciliation with God. They preach appeasing God. Ask any person that's of a foreign, another religion and ask them, how do you get to heaven? And I'll guarantee you their answer is that my works are good enough and that God will accept me. That's what they will say to you. Am I right? It's a good work chart. And if my good works outweigh my bad works, I make it. If they don't, I don't make it. But the Bible says you're not saved by works, but you're saved by grace. All you have to do is stop working and believe that Jesus died for your sin. Stop trying to earn it and believe that he's given it to you. It's a gift. Take it. Receive it. Accept it. And then use it and change, be changed. That's the difference between the religions. The religious world tries to climb up to God, which is impossible. But God sent his son down to us because we couldn't get up there. Amen? That's the difference between all religions and Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen? Are you, guys, are you guys getting anything out of this? The church, well, actually, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop here. We'll pick up the last two next week. But it's very important to understand that we, what we believe is very revolutionary 
What do I mean by revolution? When you hear the word revolution, what do you think of? You think of war. You think of change. You think of something new. You think of a conflict that's going to ensue because one view has to override the other. And that's what the gospel has been since it touched down on the day of Pentecost. It has been a revolution. It has changed the face of the earth. Now from 120 believers, we have 2.5 billion Christians. From 120. But some of them don't know what they believe. Some of us are still traditional Christians, meaning that we go to church and we try to do the right thing, but we don't really have a relationship with Jesus. And God wants a relationship. That's what Jesus came to in, in, introduce to the Pharisees. He told them that all your tradition, you don't even know God. You've blocked him out with all the, the stuff that you want to put up. I mean, he was healing people on the Sabbath, and they had a problem with that. Huh? It's, that means that was like people coming to church and we having a prayer line. And somebody raised up here, no, no, today is the Sabbath. You can't, y'all, he can't pray for you today. Come back tomorrow. And Jesus says, you hypocrite. He said, which of you who has a donkey who falls in a hole on the Sabbath day won't get out there and go pick up the donkey? And then I can't heal on the Sabbath? And then the Bible says, and they went away ashamed because they had missed the relationship with God and had clouded it with rules and regulations. And that's what religion does. It blocks out your relationship. Marquise preached last night about um, turning, he was talking about his toilet, the toilet above him was running all night. And you know how toilets run and they just run and they never turn off? You know how that is? And he said, that's how our minds are. We cloud it with all the stuff. We're always running. We're always thinking. We're not, we're not, we, don't, we don't take time to hear God. We're just in activity. And the Bible wants us to, uh, the scripture tells us to be still and know that I am God. I will keep you in perfect peace when, if you do what? Keep your mind stayed on me. Huh? So how many of us do that when we're anxious? How many of us say, Lord, let me cast out all this junk I'm thinking about and think upon you so that I can get my mind where it needs to do? Because it's God that has the answer to all of our problems anyway. Thinking about them doesn't change them. Amen? Amen? And look, I know we all have done it, so I'm not here to cast uh, you know, stones against you. I'm, I'm, I, I do the same thing. I have to catch myself. We have activities that we're involved in. If, you're, if you have a job that requires thinking, usually you're thinking about your next assignment all the time unless you catch yourself and you say, Lord, I cast this thought down and I take upon me your thoughts. 
I think about the goodness that you have. And I know that if I need help on the assignment, you have the answer that I need to get what I need to do to do what I need to get. Amen? God is very, very smart. <laughs> we, are, we don't think of him in these terms. But God knows so much we can't even imagine what he knows. So let's put aside this puny little assignment and think about the great big God that has the answer for the assignment. Amen? Don't let us limit our ability to what we know, but let us take on his ability, which is limitless. That's how we get to the supernatural. That's how we pass from natural to supernatural. We put off our ways and take up his. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm done for today. So um, let's pray, and then we're going to receive communion. So, Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us the, the essentials, just some of the cores of the church, that you are God, that the scriptures are your speaking place. You're, you created us. We've fallen, but you've redeemed us. And Lord God, we thank you and we ask that you would help us to take these things and help those things, those five truths, mold the way in which we form our lives, our philosophies of life. That we won't allow people to teach us things that are contrary to your creative order. We won't allow the enemy to go and try to deceive not only us, but our children, our grandchildren into believing that you didn't create us in your image. And Lord God, we pray that you would help us to keep the right perspective. It's because as we keep not only the right perspective, but the right belief system, we can act and do the right things. And so Lord, I pray that you would take your word that has been spoken today and give us the light and the illumination about it so that we can know you in a greater, more intimate way. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone say, amen and amen. We thank you for listening to today's sermon. And we pray that you are impacted to become the new creation that God desires. We at New Creation Christian Center invite you to come join us for service Saturday at 7 p.m. or Sunday at 11 a.m. located at 5150 South Cloverdale Street, Seattle, Washington. Also, feel free to visit us online at newcreationwa.org. New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life where you can come as you are and be transformed by the Word of God.